Hello, my name is Paul Binnigan. I'm based in the Faculty of Epidemiology and Population Health in the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and I work on um, epidemiology and control of malaria. I think what's been recognised really is that the epidemiology of malaria is so different in different areas and that we really need interventions that are tailored to specific geographical locations or epidemiological settings. Seasonal malaria camera prevention is an example of that kind of approach which is really designed for areas where the transmission is highly seasonal and there's intense transmission so the main burden is in young children. What is seasonal chemo prevention? Seasonal malaria chemo prevention is a, a new approach to malaria control that is uh, designed really for uh, areas where malaria is highly seasonal and the transmission is, is intense uh, so that the main burden of malaria in the community is in, in young children in a few months of the year. And it involves um, giving children um, a course of antimalarial treatment uh, once a month uh, to prevent malaria. Why is this needed? Well, it's needed because in these areas uh, there's still a huge burden of malaria despite scaling up of current measures. Um, areas where seasonal malaria camera prevention is, is relevant. There are communities with high levels of uh, coverage of insecticide-treated bed nets, but children are still getting malaria um, once or twice or five or six times during the transmission season. So new tools are, are needed. How does it really work? What's the kind of biology and chemistry of it? So it involves giving um, a course of antimalarials uh, once a month, uh, which uh, eliminate any infection in the child, but also the drugs that are used are eliminated slowly. So it provides uh, prophylaxis for about four weeks. So it gives a high level of, of protection for about four weeks, but it has to then be repeated uh, monthly to provide continuous protection throughout the transmission season. And how has it been trialled to date? What's the kind of history or time frame so far? So it started really with um, a PhD project here at the school supervised by, by Brian Greenwood, uh, a Senegalese scientist, Badra Sise, who did a, a clinical trial in Senegal that showed if you give antimalarials once a month for three months to children, it gives a very um, high degree of protection. And then once that result was shown, it was important to do some, some further studies. So there were a number of trials done to look at the best drug regimen to, to choose. And then there was a process of... Um, consulting with policymakers and with WHO to find out what the potential role of this intervention might be in public health and what additional questions policymakers would want answered. And that led to a series of other, other studies. So it's important to show how effective this was if children were already using um, an insecticide-treated bed net, for example. And then there were concerns about the safety of, of, of giving uh, drugs on a large scale and the feasibility of uh, delivering this intervention to children under five in, in rural areas. So a series of studies were undertaken to answer these questions. Um, and that led then to a, a policy recommendation being made in, in 2012. And what were the main findings of this variety of trials? That it was highly effective, that it could be delivered through door-to-door um, -door approach, visiting each household once a month, because it's important to keep the strict timing. You need to take the treatments at monthly intervals, and so that needs some kind of commu community health worker scheme uh, delivering in the community. 
trials in Burkina Faso and, and Mali showed that there was a very high degree of efficacy even in children who um, were using insecticide-treated bed nets. And a large study in Senegal showed really that it was feasible to deliver this on a, on a large scale. You could, very well accepted by the community. You could achieve high coverage. And um, uh, there were no serious uh, adverse reactions to the drugs, even though there was a high level of surveillance for adverse reactions. But now that the policy has been set and the evidence is there, has there, have there been challenges in implementing this? I guess, what's the school's current role in helping implement the policy? So what's, what's happened actually is that national malaria control programmes have been quick to adopt this policy. WHO produced a field guide on how to implement SMC, and that was done quite quickly. So by the end of 2012, there had been a series of meetings and there was a field guide, and six countries had included SMC in their strategic plans for, for malaria control. Um, there was support from a number of donors for initial schemes in, in six countries in 2013 and eight implemented in 2014. And I guess what's really being looked into now and next, really? So is there additional research on how to strengthen this, perhaps? Yeah, so what happened last year was that uh, Unitaid announced uh, a large grant to support the scaling up of SMC in West Africa. And this is being coordinated by Malaria Consortium and Catholic Relief Services in, in seven countries. And our role at the school in this is uh, coordinating the monitoring and evaluation of this uh, program uh, in collaboration with scientists in these seven countries. Uh, It's also important to uh, monitor any impact of SMC on drug resistance. So we're setting up monitoring in the seven countries. Uh, And we're trying to measure the impact on malaria, on uh, hospital cases of malaria, and on deaths in children due to malaria. And how big a concern is drug resistance in Africa? Because it's, it's something that easily occurs, say, in Southeast Asia, but it's always been a different situation in sub-Saharan Africa. So in the areas where SMC is being used, we're using old drugs, sulfadoxine, pyrimethamine and amodiaquin, which have been used for decades in uh, malaria. And those are now being put to a new use in terms of chemical prevention. And in the areas of West Africa, where malaria is very seasonal, these drugs are still efficacious. But SMC will impose a selection pressure for resistance and it's important to, uh, to monitor that. I mean, steps can be taken to try to uh, reduce the scope for that by making sure that children take their treatments uh, every month and, and adhere to the treatment course each month. And if they get malaria, that they're promptly treated with the drugs that are, are different from the ones used for SMC. Uh, but it's important to monitor what's happening so that if there is a loss in efficacy, we can detect it early on. And I guess why are different drugs being used? Is it specifically for this purpose and this reason? Well, for chemical prevention, you really want long-acting drugs because you want to provide prophylaxis for as long as possible. And the drugs, there was a series of studies to identify the most suitable uh, drugs. These, these, these two drugs are long-acting, and uh, so we're using those, and that allows the artemisinins to be kept for treating acutely ill children where their rapid action is most useful. And I guess how important would you say this strategy is compared to other malaria control strategies? So things like bed nets, things like the RTSS vaccine, which could be implemented. Where does chemo prevention fit? This is definitely something which uh, supplements what's already there. Um, so the other, other measures need to continue to be used. No, nothing is completely effective against malaria. Children must continue to 
sleep under a bed net. If they have a fever, they must be taken quickly to be tested for malaria. And those messages are reinforced by the health workers as they um, deliver the, the seasonal malaria camera prevention.